Let us pray together. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have brought in my understanding. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for keeping all of our members safe and for us to join together to have another service on this Sunday. I pray, God, that as we're here today, as we're in our own rooms and our own respective places, I pray against every distraction of the enemy. I pray, God, that we will be steadfast and to be found strong and to be strengthened in your Holy Spirit. And God, as we transition now to the message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts as we listen to your message will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Holy Spirit, guide us, strengthen us, speak to us, God, for we are listening and we are desperate to hear your word today. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and I pray. And God's people pray, amen and amen. God bless you, everyone. Uh, it's good to see everyone here today. Let's get into today's message. The title is called Job's Series, and now we are in the title, which is called Job's Second Test, Skin for Skin. I'll say it again, Job's Second Test, Skin for Skin. Last week... We talked about Job's first test, and we talked about the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. This week, Job's second test, skin for skin. Let's get into today's passage. It's found in Job chapter 2, now we're in chapter 2, in verse 1 through 10. And it says this, it says, On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he had sat among the ashes. Verse 9, his wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Amen. Now, a few things to point out here. Here in verse 2, 
God is not asking Satan because God does not know. Where it says in reference in verse 2, And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Remember, God knows all things. We talked about in the previous sermons that God, He is omnipotent. We talked about how God is omnipresent. We talked about how God is omniscient. We talked about how Satan is not omnipotent. Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is not omniscient. We understand that God, He knows all things. God doesn't ask because He does not know. He knows all things. Continuing in verse 3, I find verse 3 pretty funny. God here, he is probing and poking at Satan, teasing him, reminding him who is the real boss. Where it says in reference in verse 3, it says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity. Though you incited me against him to ruin him without reason, knowing full well what had just happened in chapter 1. What happened in chapter 1? Remember, Job, he, instead of cursing God, what did he say? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord gives, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And it says, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. We understand God, he is, he is poking at Satan. Hey, remember you said that he was going to curse me to my face. But Job has won. There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. Have you considered my servant Job? He has passed the first test. God is like, see, what did I tell you? There's no one on earth like him, blameless and upright. He fears me and he shuns evil and he's still maintaining his integrity. Remember the two tests. In the book of Job, it comes down to two tests. The first test, last week we talked about in chapter 1, it's the loss of Job's things, possessions, family members, physical blessings. For the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. We're now in the second test, which we're here in chapter 2. And it's talking about the loss of Job's health. This message today are for those who are sick, physically ill for those who are sick and who are undergoing physical sufferings today. Meaning, as human beings, that we can have all the wealth in this world. We can have all the belongings in this world. We can have all the possessions in the world. We can have un unlimited amount of money in our bank accounts. But if our health deteriorates, if our bodies are deteriorating, and we're filled with sickness, we literally have nothing. We hear people say, health is the greatest wealth. And in a sense, it is true. It is somewhat true. But as Christians, you understand that spiritual wealth is even greater. But it is true. Health is our greatest wealth. We can have all the money in the world. But if you don't have time and the years to enjoy the blessings, then what is the point? You lose your health. All the things you can do with your accumulated wealth, it equals to nothing. 
there's an article, and it says the largest hospital in its province, Harbin Provincial Hospital in China. In this article, it says this a cancer patient carrying a bag full of money asked the doctor to save her life, and she has plenty of money to pay him. But the doctor said he cannot do anything as her cancer is in the final stage. She was so angry and frustrated that she threw the money across the hospital's entire corridor, shouting, what's the use of having the money? Money cannot buy health. Money cannot buy time. Money cannot buy life. And it is a matter of time. You may be physically healthy today, but tomorrow is another day. You may be physically well, you may be physically strong, you may be physically young at this moment, but just remember this, that no one remains young forever. That this physical body, we feel the effects of age, sicknesses, that we are finite beings. You know, when I was younger, I literally thought I was invincible. Right? There were times where I would go, when I first learned skiing, uh, you know, I snowboard, but when when I first learned skiing, I remember... The first time, I didn't know how to ride, and I would just go straight down, and, and I didn't know how to stop. And the only way that I would stop, and I was getting close to a cliff, and I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure even if I hit that, I'm not going to go off the cliff. But in my mind, I'm panicking. I'm like, okay, the only way I'm going to stop and keep myself from falling and going off that cliff is if I just fall. And I remember I'd be like, you know, I'm young, I'm fine, I'm pretty strong, so I'm going to fall. And I remember I, I tumbled, I tumbled, I tumbled, and... And that's how I'll stop. And then I'm like, okay, no more skiing. And then after the fall had finished, I get up, I look at my body, my skis are over there, my sticks are over there. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Literally, I thought I was invincible when I was young. And the reality is, it is not if sickness and suffering come. It is when. And when I become sick and in this life we will become sick we will face some sort of opposition with our health and in this lifetime our bodies will break down and this here is a sad reality and we see it when we go to our nursing home when we do our volunteer work when we go and we do our ministry work there when we go on missions we see we see people who are elderly who are older We understand even young people who have lung problems, heart issues. We understand that we understand that this life is finite, that we cannot live forever, that this life is not meant for us to be healthy forever, that sickness will come. And we may be strong today, but tomorrow is another story. It may be a different story. So what we see here, Satan's goal here in chapter 2 here in the second test of Job is to inflict physical pain on Job. He's saying, God, skin for skin. He's saying, take away his health and he will curse you to your face. And God in his sovereignty, he allows Satan to inflict physical pain but does not allow him to kill Job. So let's get in with our first point today. Number one, number one, the first point is this, the fifth and final phase, skin for skin. Again, this is a continuation from last week. The first phase was what? Was Sabians. The second phase was what? The fire of God, the lightning. That's phase two. Phase three was what? 
was Chaldeans. Phase four was the tornado that killed his children. Right? The walls came crashing down. And now we're at the fifth and final phase of Job's second test. Let's take a look at verse four to verse eight. It says this, skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. In MacArthur Bible Commentary, it says this, it says, Satan contended that what he had done to Job so far was just touching the skin, scratching the surface. Job endured the loss of all that he had, even the lives of his children, but will not endure the loss of his own well-being. If God allows Satan to make the disaster a personal matter of his own physical body, the adversary, Satan contended, Job's faith would fail. Now, we are not sure which type of skin disease is depicted here that's found in, in verse 4 to 8. But we see here that we know that we see that it is a terrible disease, that it was so bad to the point where he had to take a broken piece of broken pottery and he had to scrape himself as he sat among the ashes. Let's look at verse 7 through 8. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. In the IVP Bible background commentary, Old Testament, it says in Ugaritic text that this disease strikes the loins and leaves the victim prostate. And we see here that the disease was a disease of extreme physical pain. And Job, he had to endure this pain. He had to endure this pain every day, every day, without any medicine. Just imagine the pain that he must have felt. Only those who have undergone extreme sicknesses would understand. But not only is he going through the sickness himself, this physical body, in the previous chapter, he had lost everything, all of his possessions, all of his family members, except for his wife. Just imagine the pain and the suffering that Job was going through at this time. There are many individuals in the Bible that we find in, throughout the book of Matthew, throughout the book of Mark, Luke, and John, throughout the book of the Gospels, that Jesus, he encounters a lot of sick individuals. And we see here one particular one is found in Luke chapter 8. It says, Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Now, we don't know what it was, but we know that she was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could 
heal her and we know the end result of that story she touches the cloak of jesus power is taken and her, she is physically and fully healed we also see it in luke chapter 5 some man carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before jesus when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of jesus we see in John 5, here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And we see here in verse 8 in Job chapter 2, the situation was so bad. His condition was so bad. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery, scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Now let's talk about the pottery. Imagine scratching your skin with a broken piece of pottery to relieve the pain that you're feeling. I mean, we can't even stand mosquito bites. They say if you have chicken pox that we're not allowed to scratch where it itches. But we understand here that what Job was feeling here in verse 8, what Job is going through here in the second test, skin for skin, what he's going through, the physical pain that he's feeling, is nothing in comparison, nothing can compare to what he was going through. Again, no medicine. Scratching himself with a broken piece of pottery to relieve the pain that he was feeling. Now the ashes here that's found in verse 8. What does it mean that he sat among the ashes where it says in verse 8? The place of ashes would be a place where the lepers would gather. Where the lepers would go. Where the outcasts of society would go. Job, who was once respected who was popular, who had everything, everything that he had that others would envy and would be jealous of. He had become an outcast of society. He would have to live outside of his home. Oh, this place can represent a place where all the town dump goes to, a place where dung and waste are burned. But either way, this was a place where outcasts would go, the rejects of society would be. And we see here in the fifth and final phase, skin for skin, we see that Job, I mean, he literally has lost everything. Not just his possessions, not just his family members, but now his own physical health with this disease. Which leads to our point number two. Job's wife's response. I want us to take a look at how she responds to this whole situation. Again, Job's wife's response. We're now introduced to a new character, Job's wife. Last week, we saw Job's response to his first test. What did he say? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I will depart. The Lord 
gave and the Lord has taken away. What does it say? May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. We see that he got up, he tore his robe, shaved his head, he fell to the ground in worship as a symbol of humility and reverence to God. That was Job's response last week's message in the first test. But let's take a look at how Joe's wife's response to this, all these, the situation that was happening within her home. It says in verse 9, his wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. I pray that no matter what trials we go through in this life, no matter what type of injustice or hardships that you go through in this life, that we will never dare or even think and respond as Joe's wife did. I pray that we would just respond with humility and with trust and with confidence and with courage and with brokenness and with humility that we respond as Job did. That may, may the name of the Lord be praised. I mean, her answer was wrong. No doubt about it. But how frustrated she must have been for her to feel the pain of losing her whole family. And we can understand as a human being. But Job was also a human being. He had also lost his children as well. But we see a two, two complete opposite. The responses, the responses that they give and we see that Job, he runs to God. But the wife, she says, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. However, and whatever the reasons and the excuses, Job's wife did not maintain her integrity before God. Just curse God and die, she said. For Job's wife, this was much easier than to continue living, than to be living under these conditions. She was advising her husband to sin against God also, mimicking the attitude of Satan. She was tempting him to curse God, to do exactly what Satan had wanted from the beginning, to curse God and to run away from him. Oh, please, I pray that as Christians, as men and women of God, do not get to a point in your life, do not get to a place in your life where you get so angry at God to the point where you will curse God, where you lose yourself in emotions, where we lose our integrity before him. She failed to suffer with Job, her own husband. Later we see in the future, in Job chapter 19, verse 17, uh, Job, he references his wife, and he says in Job 19, 17, he says, My breath is repulsive to my wife. And we see that she is not with him. Everything about Job was repulsive to her. I mean, and after this passage in verse 9, Joe's wife is no longer mentioned, heard of, seen directly after this. She is gone. Point number two, Job's wife's 
response is something that we should not do. Let's go to point number three. And this is our last point. And this is the same point as last week's Joe's response. What was Joe's response on the first one? Got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell to the ground in worship. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, he gives, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. That was Job's test number one, his first test. How does Job respond to this? The second test. Let's take a look at verse 10. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Be careful what you say when you're undergoing trials. Be careful what comes out of your mouths. Let us now respond as Job's wife did. Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. But as Christian, as faithful men and women of God, godly men and women of God, I challenge you today that may we not sin against God when we're lost in our emotions. May we praise Him. May we bless His name. Those who are wanting us to curse God and to turn away from Him, even when the world and the culture and the media and the world, the temptations of the world, our friends, the friendship, the people around us, people telling us to curse God and to turn away from God, to have the same attitude and the mindset as they do. When we not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, as it says in Psalm 1. But may we be planted in the word of God by the living water which yields its fruit in season. May we continue to grow and to be faithful and to have our foundation like a rock that is found in Jesus Christ. Joe's response to his wife was, do not be foolish. And the Bible is very clear. Don't be a fool but be a man and woman of humility and surrender. Don't fear the world. Fear him. Fear God. Have a healthy dose of reverence to God, for he is God. May we not curse God and blame God for all of our situations, for our, the undergoing trials and the pain that we are going through, the physical pain that we are feeling, the physical pain that we are going through, the loss that we have occurred, that we have accumulated, May we not curse God. But may we trust in Him. And may we worship Him. And may we praise Him. The Bible is very clear. Do not be a fool. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart, Again, the fool, the fool. And Joe's wife falls in this category. There is no God. Those who say there is no God, it's very clear what it says. They are corrupt 
and their deeds are vile. Psalm 53, verse 1-3 says, The fool says in his heart, same thing as Psalm 14, verse 1, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. Verse 2, God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. Verse 3, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And if we put this in perspective of Psalm 53, that God looks down from heaven on all mankind, including Job and his wife, we see the difference in the attitude of these two individuals. Same family, but different mindset, different approach, different outlook in life. One says, curse God. Don't maintain your integrity. Curse God and die. Just give up. The other says, you are talking like a foolish person. How can we accept only good and not trouble from God and not adversity? And trouble in other translation, it means adversity. How can we not? Should we just accept only good from God? We see in chapter 1, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And we see here in chapter 2, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Be careful what you say with your mouth. What you say is going to become, it's going to take power. It's going to take control over your life. Do not say curses. The cursing will take away our faith. The cursing will take our mind, will distract us. It will take us further away from God. May we not sin in what we say with our mouths. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's not just about the words that you speak, but it's about the heart. It's about the inside, inside out, inside out. I pray with all my heart. I pray with all my heart that we will be people of God, man and woman of God, that even when everyone is urging us and pushing us to sin against God and to curse God, that we will remain confident in God. That we will say, God, even when all fall away and turn their backs away from you, I will hold on to you forever. For it is you that is holding my life. It is you that is holding me. At this time, if you can please close your eyes with me. These days I've been on Psalm 119. You know, every night I've been reading. And every night I go ahead and read uh, the book of Psalms. And I'm in Psalm 119 now. I'm just going one by one by the alphabets that's found here. I just want to share with you 
uh, these passages that has been challenging my heart. And with our eyes closed, if you could just open up your heart to hear the word of God that is found in Psalm 119. And I pray that our hearts will be encouraged, that we will be encouraged today, and that just as Job was faithful, as Job was successful in his response to his trial and to his second test and his final test, I pray that we too will remain faithful in the Lord. It says this, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast. Can you whisper that word, steadfast, the theme word of 2020? Steadfast. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I will not be put to shame. When I consider all your commands, I'll praise you with an upright heart. As I learn your righteous laws, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes. Lord, do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. Psalm 119 is all focused, the foundation. The centerpiece is the word of God. I pray that we would meditate and reflect and dine in the word of God today. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what you have lost, no matter what pain you are going through at this moment, no matter what sickness that you have at this moment, I pray that we would trust in him and know that he is the one that God is the one, that our Lord Jesus Christ is the one that is holding us, that it is not I that is holding on to God. Yes, we hold on to God. We take responsibility in holding on to God, but it is God that holds us ultimately because it is by grace we have been saved and because it is by grace we have been saved, we do the work that God has called us to be the workmanship, to do the good works that he has created for us to do, that out of the overflow from the relationship, that we will be faithful in following him. Remember, it is God that is holding you. May we have humility as Job did. May we remain steadfast in the midst of our own suffering today as Job did. Just with our eyes closed at this time. As we're about to close the service, Can we just take a moment, just with our own voices, can we cry out to our Father who is listening to us? He is listening to us today.
he hears us today. Cry out to him, for he is listening to you, for he hears you. Remember what I said in Psalm 53, that God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. For true worshipers are the individuals that God is seeking, that God listens to. So can we at this time with our own voices, can we cry out to him? Not only cry out to him, but hear and listen to what he is saying to you today through his word. For he is speaking to us and he is here with us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. God, you look down from heaven to see if there are any who understand. Any individual who are seeking you. Oh, God, you're seeking for true worshipers. I pray, God, that we will now respond as Joe's wife did. Let us respond as Job did. Oh God, may we lift up our hands and worship and praise you no matter what situation that we are going through, no matter what pain that we are undergoing. Oh God, let us hold on to you. Let us be steadfast. God, let us remember that our foundation is found in Christ. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to every individual who are listening. Who are here today to hear the message that you have for us today. Challenge our church, strengthen us, and we grow in your word. Oh Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Oh God, come. Oh come. Oh come. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Shall we accept good from God and not adversity? God, we accept all things from you. For God, you are a good God. For God, you are a God who is faithful. You are a God who is patient. You are a God who is full of justice. And God, you are a holy God. God, you are a compassionate God. You are a God who is jealous for us. You love us. But you are also a God who abhors sin. So God, I pray that we will not be consumed by your wrath. But Lord, the truth is that God, when we repent and we humble ourselves, Lord, you hear us and you will forgive us of all our sins. There's no sin that is greater, that is beyond reach for us to be saved. For God, your blood covers away all sins. Not cover, but it washes away. It brings us to a clean slate. And God, you remember them. You choose to remember them no more. So God, we look to you, God, at this time. Lord, help us not to be foolish in our speech, in our action. But Lord, that we'll be faithful 
in all that we do. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and I pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen.